0: Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com, or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Well, good morning. Well, it's a great crowd for the Fourth of July weekend. It's exciting. I thought everybody would be, you know, on vacation this week. I know, I wish I was on vacation this week, right? He's like, that's all right, we'll get there, right? Uh, Well, we're glad to have you this morning. Those watching online that are on vacation, hope you're enjoying wherever you're at, and uh, thanks for watching online. Those of us that are here, we are continuing in 2 Timothy. So you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. If you don't have a Bible of your own, again, those burgundy Bibles, I, I gave one away last week and. And the fellow was like, man, are you sure I can have this? I'm like, this is why we have these, okay? So if you don't have a Bible, there are burgundy Bibles in the seats in front of you. Take them with you, okay? We want you to have those to follow along, to read when you get home. And uh, we're going through 2 Timothy. Now, today we're in chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 14. And uh, you may have noticed that Jimmy was up here this week. Uh, It's been fun having him plug in today and uh, Ethan and his wife, Emily, had a baby this last week. Yay! Uh, cute little Millie. And so he's gonna be taking a couple weeks off while they get to enjoy their newborn. And Jimmy's jumping in and, and leading for us. So uh, this morning, let's uh, start by reading 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 to 19. It says, remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer, as in the case of Hymenius and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. But God's truth stands firm, like a foundation stone with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. All right, let's go, Lord, in prayer. Invite God to speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I just come to you this morning in expectation that this morning, Lord, this passage really is about the way we treat each other, the way we dig into your word and and decide what we believe. So, God, I pray that you'd kind of open all of our minds this morning. We all come from different traditions, God. Some come from Catholic, Baptist, Atheist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Lord, we... We got a hodgepodge all throughout the room, and I pray this morning, Lord, that we would we would take your challenge to heart, that we would dig into your word and discover what your truth is, and not just man's tradition or ideas. Pray that in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, if you got your listening guide, you can go ahead and grab that. We pass those out each week, so you got something to take with you, and we. What we've been doing is we're going through 2 Timothy, we're just going verse by verse, digging in, pulling the nuggets out, and and walking through those, okay? So the first thing I want you to see there is that uh, he tells us, don't argue about disputable matters. What is it that's disputable matters? What does he say? Well, he doesn't actually explain to us there. He says, remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. So you ever notice there's some things in Christianity that we don't all agree on? Have you ever noticed that? You like go to work and and you get into a discussion about what one church is like that's different than another and and sometimes we can start drawing up lines and start thinking that ours is better than somebody else's or we're right in everything. And a lot of it is preference, you know. Do we have musical instruments on stage? We do. I, I'll tell you my story. I got saved in a church that had a a piano and had a an organ, and nothing else was allowed. One lady tried to bring a guitar one time, and that was a no go. Okay, and so I always wondered if there's something more spiritual about a piano and an organ than drums and a guitar. But when I got saved, I I I was late in my teenage years, and so I kind of grew up on rock and roll music, and I was like, how come the Church can't have a little more peppy music. I mean, if God gave us music, right? Why can't we have all these instruments up here? And so when we started the church, I was like, man, it, whoever God brings, whatever talent and gifts he brings, let's just put them all on the stage. Now, I never knew you could include a violin with a band. That was a new thing when they started doing it. I was like, man, that's impressive. We had a guy one time, if those remember Jeremy Cook, he had an organ and he could tear that organ up and, and put it in, I was like, that is amazing. But that's just preference what instruments you like, okay? And yet so many times we get in arguments as Christians in front of non-Christians about stupid stuff. And it, I believe it embarrasses the gospel. And they think to themselves, well, if you guys get so mad about what translation of the Bible you use, maybe I don't even want that stuff about God. And we set a negative witness instead of the loving witness that God wants us to set. Paul, in Romans 14, you want to flip over to Romans 14, it's in the New Testament as well. It's a little bit before 2 Timothy. Paul's dealing with this issue in Romans 14. The whole chapter gives us a great understanding of these these issues that we don't need to argue about. In Romans 14, he calls them disputable matters. Things that we might all disagree a little bit on. And let's see what he says. Verse one, he says, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Amen, see, bacon is the biblical way to eat. There it is, right there, just saying carnivore is biblical. Now, I could say that, but if you go on to read, he's not saying being a vegetarian is wrong. He's saying Some people are saying you're supposed to be a vegetarian, and some are like, no, God doesn't say we're supposed to be a vegetarian, and they're arguing over this in the church. And Paul basically says it doesn't matter. All food is free to eat, but if somebody feels like they're supposed to be vegetarians, let them be vegetarians. Don't argue about it, okay? And then he goes on, and they talk about what day of the week they worship. Is it Saturday or Sunday? Historically, the Jews worshiped on Saturday, but then when, when people started getting saved, there were Gentiles, Sunday worked better. They celebrated the resurrection of the Lord. And even today, there's some groups that they argue, it's gotta be Saturday, it's gotta be Sunday. Bobby Davis has it covered. They got Saturday and Sunday. It's like pick your, pick your poison, right? Or your, your salvation, excuse me. Pick your, the good stuff, the good stuff, sorry, cut that one. Okay, so why do we argue over these things? I think it's because we feel like we got to be right. I think it's because we we get our pride mixed up into it and we feel like we got to be right. Now, there are some things, we're going to talk about that in a minute, that we we got to make sure that we're in agreement on. And that's the things that the Bible is is uber clear on, okay? But there's some things that are just disputable matters. Romans 14, the last verse in that, verse 21. It's a, it's a great picture. It says, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So what's he saying? He's saying if, if they're a vegetarian and you're eating in their home, don't ask for meat. If you know they're vegetarian, they come to your home. Don't ask them if they'll eat your meat. If they uh, are wanting to worship on Sunday or Saturday, just go with them and worship on their day too, right? We don't have to argue about it. I, I have friends that they're Seventh-day Adventists. They all worship on Saturday, and they're very adamant about that. I'm like, that's fine. i choose to worship on Sunday. You wanna worship on Saturday? It doesn't bother me. It's okay. Because I don't believe it's, it's a, something that is grained in the Word of God as this is the way it has to be. Paul directly deals with it. Same thing with alcohol. I mean, we're in the South, and so some people get really on the alcohol kick. Like, you cannot drink a drop. But those people all break their moral standards when it comes to taking NyQuil. They'll uh, guzzle that stuff. You know what I'm saying? You ever notice that? Right? Okay. Now, I'll tell you where I'm at. I, I don't drink. I've never drank. My grandfather was an abusive Alcoholic beat the daylights out of my mom and his siblings. And so, my mom had a hatred for it. Even though she was an atheist, she had a hatred for it. And so, we actually had it in the, in the fridge growing up because my dad would have friends over and, and they would drink. But my dad never drank because it that was just the way it was. And And so, I tried it. I didn't like the taste of it, never went to it. But I don't believe that if you drink a glass of wine or a beer, that that's a sin. But if you're drinking it around people that struggle with that, and you're leading them to stumble, that's a sin, okay? And if you're drinking to excess, to drunkenness, that's a sin. But this disputable matter, I get, I get it on both sides. I get people that are like, man, you're, you're too, too much of a tightwad on this alcohol thing. And you get it from other people like, you're too free on alcohol. Can we do it to the glory of God? If you do it to the glory of God, then you can do that. If you can't, don't. It's that simple, okay? So the first thing, don't argue over disputable matters. I I don't know of anybody in my life that I agree with them on everything. But where do we go back to? That's the next verse. This is what's so important. He says, don't argue about these things. Then he goes to the next verse, verse 15. He says, work hard. So you can present to yourself to God and receive his approval, be a good worker who does not need to be ashamed. How is that? Who correctly explains the word of truth. I have to tell you on this one, I like the NIV and the New King James better. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study the word, be in the word. I believe it's the responsibility of every believer to be in the word and know the word. Okay? You shouldn't have to call me and ask me every question under the sun. The Bible's been around for 2,000 years. There's great commentaries and insights everywhere you turn. You can dig in yourself. A simple way to do it, you can Google and say, What does the, Siri, this is what I do all the time. Siri, what does the Bible say about forgiveness? It'll shoot up 25 top verses about forgiveness. I want to challenge you to study the Word more than what people say about the Word. Does that make sense? Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion, and you don't need their opinions. You need the Word. You need to study the Word. So set point two is work hard to correctly explain biblical truths. Study. Dig in. Now, most of you are probably like me. You don't do all the work on your car. There's probably a couple of mechanics here that, that still do the work on your own car. And yeah, yeah, okay, I'll be visiting you. I got a problem, so I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> but I, I took my old car. I got an old Camaro. I took it to the mechanic because it just, it just wasn't running right. It was it was running rough. I didn't know what it was. So I took it to the guy and he's been working on cars forever. So he listens to it like, yep, that's the vacuum advance. I'll, I'll have to replace that. I got to pull the distributor cap to get to it. It'll take a... Take a little bit, we gotta order the part. I was like, okay, you take care of it. Now, I mean, it ran before that, but the tires, you couldn't burn the rubber off tires, so what's the fun in that, you know what I'm saying? It needs to run good, it needs to run good. So, So I got the vacuum advance, put on there, man, now it runs good. And I was glad that I could take it to somebody that had the experience and the knowledge to figure out what it was that quick. It would have taken me forever. How could he do that? He has studied, and he had experience in working on cars. As a follower of Jesus, if you today are a follower of Jesus, you need to take time to study the word and to get experience helping people find answers to their questions. The word hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Pretty amazing. And so as you dig in, you can find the answers for yourself. And like I said, it's so easy today. You can pull your phone up and you can just say, Google, give me the top 25 verses on, on Christ and the resurrection. And just read all the verses on Christ and the resurrection. Somebody in your, in your group has a question about uh, a subject matter, just pull it up and dig in. So we need to, to work as a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you don't have a study Bible, I want to encourage you, get your study Bible. There's a Christian bookstore in town over here by the big R. Just go over there and pick you up a study Bible that has study notes so that you can learn more of the historical context, the people it was written to at the time, and you can dig deeper into what the Word is saying. Well, so he goes from, from don't sweat the small stuff, the first point, then he goes to study, and then the third, he gets a little more serious. The next verse, he says, reject lies and heresy. Reject lies and heresy. And he calls these guys out, Hymenius and Philetus. And what are they doing? In verses 16 to 18, he says, avoid foolish talk that leads to more godless behavior. They are teaching something that's leading to godless behavior. What are they teaching? They're teaching that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. Why, why is that unusual? Okay, well, the, the Gnostics, it was a kind of a branch off of Christianity that they tried to combine Greek thought with the teachings of Christ. And what happened was they wound up with a heretical teaching that the body and the soul were completely separate. And so what they said was, the soul, when you become a Christian, your soul just instantly gets resurrected into heaven. It's a done deal. Your salvation is sealed. You don't have to worry about how you behave anymore because all that's left on this earth is the physical body. So eat, drink, be merry, party, do whatever you want to. There's no such thing as sin anymore because your soul's already in heaven. What your body does down here doesn't matter. And so you had people living these lifestyles that were just as sinful as the world around them, no difference in their character, no difference in their behavior, and you couldn't discern a follower of Christ who had this theology from someone who wasn't even a follower of Christ. And we see this today. Today in our culture, we're seeing People that are teaching things, they're not from Scripture, but from public opinion. That This is what I think we should all believe so that we can all get along. Listen, God's Word is God's Word. We got to study it, and then we don't need to be afraid to call out heresy and lies. This is a book that we can, we can know. Now, are there some things that are disputable? Yeah, we talked about some of those things. There's other things. I mean, it could be, uh, whether it be clothing, what you wear, you know, some churches expect you to wear a suit and tie and a dress. If that's what they do, that's fine. That's not unbiblical. It's just their preference, right? Here, when we started, we knocked on over 1,000 doors and we said, hey, are you a part of a church? If they said yes, we said, good, keep going. If they said no, we said, why do you think most people in Cookville don't go to church? And the number one answer they gave they didn't have the right clothes to wear. They thought you had to dress up to go to church. And so they weren't going because they said they didn't have the right clothes to wear. That's why when we started the church, we put a sign out, a flyer out, and put a picture of blue jeans that says, just wear your blue jeans, we do. We knew everybody in Cookville on a pair of blue jeans, right? And so we had so many folks who came and said, I finally got my husband to come because he said he'd never wear a tie and therefore he'd never go to church. And when you put that picture on, I I went to him and said, you're going with me now. (laughs) And he came and he got born again. Does God care if you got a three-piece suit on or a pair of shorts and and flip-flops? No, he doesn't. He does care what's on the inside of your heart. And if you're coming to honor God or coming to honor yourself. And so uh, for us, I, I used to say just, Come as you are, wear what you want. Then a couple of those kind of got a little iffy, so I had to start saying, Come as you are, but cover up what you got. So there, there is that, you know, there is that morality part we gotta, gotta remember for all of us, right? Uh, so all right, now there's this thing going on right now in our culture called deconstruction. Don't know if you've heard of that. Now, some of this can be good, okay? For some folks, what they're what they're saying, their idea of deconstruction is they're taking all the stuff they learned if they grew up in church, and they're they're deconstructing it and and lining it up against the Bible and saying, is it of God? Is it biblical, or is it just one of man's traditions? That's a good deconstruction, okay, where you're really trying to dig in the Word and make sure your faith is biblical. But there's another kind of deconstruction where people are looking at Their faith and what they grew up with, they're throwing it all out. And they're saying, I don't believe any of it. It's all just a bunch of man-made ideas. Now, listen, I get it. We can all struggle with truth from time to time. We can all struggle with, with, is God real? Is he truly there? What we believe, where's our foundation in that? But when you struggle with that, Struggle between you and the Lord first, and then if you're still struggling, go and talk to those that have been believers longer than you and get wisdom. Don't go to new believers or unbelievers and go, you know, I'm really thinking about just throwing the whole faith out because I don't know, I'm just not so sure that, about that Bible thing. I'm just not so sure about that resurrection piece. I'm not. Don't just throw it all out. Go to the Word, go to those wiser. Now, I believe that's part of your growth. I think if you don't ever question You don't ever dig. You don't ever wonder. I think you're not really striving for all that God has for you. I was out in California and pastor, and I was about in year three, and I just hit a real dry spell, a dry spell in the church, a dry spell in my faith, and the devil just kept yelling in my ear, there is no God, there is no God, there is no God. And I knew there was. I knew he had rescued my soul, but then I, I just started just struggling. Like, God, I really, I can't see you. I can't touch you. I've never heard the audible voice of God. And I just started praying, Lord, I, I just need something tangible. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I, I was just saying, Lord, I need something tangible to know that I know that I know that this is all real. And and he had done so many things to show me in the past. But I was just struggling, Okay. And he gave me my answer through public broadcasting system. (laughs) A documentary on the Honda Motor Company. Probably nobody else ever saw it. Nobody else ever cared. Probably had a total of seven people that watched the whole show. Uh, But but it came on one night. And I was fascinated because they were having this huge celebration and a one-hour documentary on how Honda Motor Company had invented a robot that could go down three steps. It was a huge thing in the scientific and engineering world because robots don't have any equilibrium. You see, they have to hold on to something as they go down, or they have to fall when they go down. And so, for years, one of the big hindrances to them being a robot in the home is this idea that a robot can't go downstairs, it just weebles and it wobbles and then it falls down. And so they were celebrating, they had figured out a way, and I don't even remember if it was the width of the feet or what it was, but they had figured out a way for the robot to go down three steps without falling over. It was, I mean like they literally had a whole hour program talked about the hundreds of thousands of hours and the science and the engineering and the millions of dollars they spent because They know whoever invents the first robot that works, I mean, they're going to sell it one to every home in America, right? So they're trying to get there. So I didn't think anything about it at the moment, but then they said the the next thing they've got to do is they've got to figure out how to give the robot tactile abilities. Tactile meaning like you and I, we can just pick up a piece of paper, no problem, right? Paperclip on the table, pick it up. Cutting, a, a, cutting a, an apple, we can feel the apple. We know how to hold the apple. We can hold it in multiple ways, and we can cut the apple. And the importance of tactile, if you're going to have a robot that serves in the home, is huge. And they were talking about how that's, that's where they're putting all the resources now and, and invention. I guess they still hadn't figured it out because they're not out there, right? They're still all just these, these metal fingers that they're trying to use to claw and pick stuff up. So I went, I watched the show, didn't think anything about the Lord at that moment. And that night, I was in my shower washing my hair. And as best I can explain it, I heard the Lord whisper in my ear, you have tactile. And I looked at my fingers. And I was like, I have tactile. How in the world could I say there is no God When man with all his knowledge, all his money, all his engineering, all his science, and all his effort has been trying to create this and design this, and they still can't do it. And we as people have the nerve to mock God by saying, this just happened by accident when a couple couple of gases exploded billions of years ago. Listen, you and I are designed by God The fact that you have equilibrium, I can go up and down these stairs. I don't have to think about it. How many of you stop and go, okay, step one, step two, step three, step four, right? I mean, our brains just say go and we go. We don't think about it because we have equilibrium. God created us that way. We have that way. I saw my kids going up and down our stairs at like one and two years old. And yet the smartest minds in the world can only come up with three stairs. Smartest minds in the world cannot create tactile. And God gave it to you and I at birth. There is a God. And that day, the Lord solidified it in my heart. I've never doubted again. Now, you may say, Steve, that was just a a Honda show. No, that was the Spirit of God giving me an answer through a very simple process that I needed because I cried out to him in my doubt and said, Lord, I need to know. So if you're struggling in your faith, cry out to God, ask him, seek him. He says, if we seek him, we will find him. If we knock, the door will be open. If we ask, we'll receive. So I challenge you. And listen, it doesn't always happen overnight. Sometimes it's days, weeks, months, even years before we finally figure out why it took so long. But I just want you to know that it's okay to deconstruct your, your faith of your past if you're comparing it to the word of God. But if you're throwing it all out, I would caution you greatly. The Bible says too, in Luke 17 too, it says, better to, to have a millstone tied around your neck than cause one little one to stumble. So if you're struggling in your faith and you go to a child or somebody younger than you in the faith and you're like, hey, you know what I'm thinking about? Throwing my whole faith out. For you, it might just be a temporary thing while you're struggling, but for them, it might send them off on a dark, dark path. So I challenge you, if you're gonna be in that path of deconstructing, deconstruct up. Go to God, go to the word, go to those that have walked with Christ longer than you have. Don't deconstruct down to children or youth or new believers, all right? All right, and then last, Stand on the foundation of your salvation. This foundation that we have, this salvation, look what it says, verse 19. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone. Now, foundation stone, I mean, it would have been the stone that everything else, they would have tied everything to, okay? It's not going to move. It was a monstrous stone it was not going anywhere. They tied all the weight, all the structure to this one stone that was so big that it wouldn't move anywhere. And he said, we need to have faith like that foundation stone that doesn't move. It says God's proof stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. Now, interesting, it said that earlier about knowing the Lord and turning away from evil and those that had heresy turning towards evil and living lives of sin. Well, what is the connection? Well, I believe the connection is God's word is truth and he calls us to holy living. Jimmy talked in his, his intro there between songs about whether you're called a sinner or a saint. We are sinners that have been saved by Christ and therefore we are saints in him. We are forgiven, we are washed clean, we are made holy and that's something to celebrate. But do you have that foundation? Do you know that? Do you know that you know that you know that you are a child of the most high God? Do you have total faith that you're walking with him? I was talking with someone this week and they are struggling and asking that question. Like, how do I know? How do I really know? I don't have this in the listening guide. I'm gonna turn to 1 John 5. I'll have to read it and you can pray I can see it because I don't have my glasses on, but I... I just think I need to share this, all right, First John 5, starting in 11, says, and this is what God has testified. He has given his eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know so that you may know you have eternal life. I believe God wants everybody in this room to know that you know that you know that you have the foundation of Jesus Christ. And he says, if we have Christ, we have that eternal life. If we don't have Christ, we don't have that eternal life. Some of you prayed when you were a little child and you said, Lord, I give you everything and as best you understood it, you meant it, and that's all it takes. Some of you, it was when you were a teenager. Some is a young adult, some is an older adult. What matters is did you, with your heart, say to the Lord, I'm all in? If so, if you declared Christ as your Savior, He says you have eternity. But if you ever wonder, if you ever question, I would just say, why not just pray it again and tell the Lord you're all in? Because according to this word, If we have prayed with our mouth and we believe that Christ is who he says he is and has done what he says he's done, then we have that foundation. But I I find that so many people's foundation is more like wood, hay, and stubble. They're just not sure. I hear people say stuff like, well, I grew up in church, I just always believe, but I don't know that I've got that foundation. Well, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for just to declare to Christ That he is your savior and your king. That he has changed your heart and that you are all in. That's the foundation we need. And when you do that, let me just say, it is good news. And when you've done that, you need to tell others. And I've gotten to the point that I just expect, like every encounter is a chance for me to tell somebody about the love of the Lord. This morning, four o'clock in the morning, I'm up going over my sermon. I, I do that sometimes if I'm tired on Saturday night, I like to go to my sermon in Sunday morning. So four o'clock, I'm going on my sermon and at 4.15, a car pulls out in front of my house. Now you gotta understand, I live on the end of, I'm the next to last house or two houses down from a dead end road. So nobody comes down my house road unless they're going to visit. And this house uh, uh, and they're dead end, sometimes people do come if they get a little lost. And so I looked out my window and this car's got its lights and it's running and it's just, Parking in front of my house in the street. I'm like, okay, that's odd. So then, then they're still there. About three minutes later, I'm like, are they casing the joint? Like, are they like looking to rob my house and wonder what I'm doing? I'm like, that's it. I'm going out. So, so I went out in my shorts and my t-shirt, and I look at them like. <laughs> I wasn't gonna go to the car because they had tinted windows. I don't know what they got in there with the window. I was like, what are you doing? And. uh and this kid gets out, he's probably 14 years old, and he goes, uh, excuse me, sir, do you know how to work on cars? I'm like, it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm not a mechanic. And uh and he goes, Our car is messing up. I think it just needs some water. Now I I do know enough about cars that if the car's not moving, it's not because of water, it's the engine's running, right? But I, I said, you know what, I've got some, I'll put it in there. So I went over there, put some antifreeze in his car and and uh, it was him, apparently like his mom, his dad, and two siblings. And he, he asked, because he spoke English, they spoke Spanish. And so it didn't fix it, obviously. So they're like, what do we do? I said, well, <laughs> I'm not a mechanic, but it, I think it's your transmission, uh, because your engine runs, but your car doesn't move. And they're like, is that a lot of money? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I'll tell you what, how far are you going? They said, well, we drove down from Indiana and we're only two miles from my friend's house, but we took a wrong turn to come down your street. I said, well, I'll tell you what, hop in my van, I'll drive you to your friend's house and drop you off, and you can come back and get the car later. So I put him in, but before I put him in, I had to go in the house, get my keys and my shoes, and I was like, okay, this has got to be God, right? I mean, it's four o'clock in the stinking morning, and somebody breaks down in front of my house, And uh, I'm like, okay, God, this has got to be something from you. I don't know what it is, but what do do I do next? And the the only ones that spoke English were the kids. I was like, you know what? I got a kid's Bible. So I grabbed a kid's Bible and uh, took it out there, and I gave it to the kids, and I said, hey, you know, while you're here, here's something you might want to read. They said, what is it? I said, it's the Bible. It talks about Jesus and, and the love of God. They're like, oh, good, I love God. I said, great, maybe we were supposed to meet because maybe you're gonna, you know, become this great, amazing biblical leader and teach others later. He's like, okay, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so he took the, He was excited to get the Bible. It was a kid's Bible with a little cartoon stuff in it. He was all excited and and dropped him. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what's going to come of that. But I've just learned that the good news we have within us, this foundation we have, it is worth sharing wherever you go. It is something that everybody can stand on. It is solid. It doesn't shake with the culture. It doesn't shake with hard times. The foundation is solid. We may feel like we're blowing in the breeze from time to time, right? But the foundation is solid. And so I ask you today, do you have a solid foundation? I did a funeral this week, and the challenge at every funeral is this we're all impacted by our mortality in that moment. And we realize that nobody lives forever. And I would just ask you, do you realize you're not gonna live forever? And are you ready if you die today to enter the kingdom of heaven? I want everybody here to be ready. Whether you're seven years old or 70, I want you to know that Jesus is in your heart and that he's your savior and that you're ready. So I'm gonna ask you if you would bow your head with me. We're gonna do something, of course I'm always doing something a little different, so I guess it's always just different, right? So I'm gonna ask all of us to pray, and if if you're not a follower of Christ, and you wanna be, I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer out loud, along with everybody else who is a believer. If you're a believer in Christ, I'm just gonna ask you to pray out loud to set a testimony for those who aren't yet. And it's basically just a prayer. We're gonna declare that Jesus is king and that we're gonna follow him, turn away from our past and our sins and walk daily with him. If that's true of you as a Christian, then I invite you to pray this out loud and with me if it's true for you as a non-Christian that you want to do that, that you want to have that solid foundation in Jesus Christ, then I invite you to pray with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind and strength and just pray this out loud as a testimony to God. So if God's speaking to you uh, as an as un-Christian, then pray this with us. And I invite all the Christians to pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Today, I declare Jesus is my Lord. I want to walk with you every day. And I want my faith to be that foundation. Lord, please forgive me for my junk and my sins of my past. And today, I want to follow you. in Jesus name Amen. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening today. If you would like more information about the church and what God is doing here through the river, you can visit the com or you can download our app in the app or Google Play Store. Again, we just want to say thank you for listening and we hope as you go throughout your week that you are able to love God love people and impact the world.